You've got a lot of sausages and things that just come to their head and... And it chipped it away again! Toby Flood. God's sake! He pulled my scrub cap off and he squirted water in my face and you're not allowed to do that! Suck it off! Shut the video top! What a yoga! <laughs> Welcome to episode four of the Waist High Rugby podcast. Um, the, the podcast that everyone in Norway apparently wants and you are getting. Uh, today we're really happy to have Jack alongside me and then Richie, the Norwegian national team head coach. Um, I think it's a good opportunity to kind of get into all things Norwegian rugby, dive a little bit deeper into certain aspects of, of the, the rugby scene here. Uh, so yeah, hi guys. Yeah, thanks for having me guys. I guess firstly, Richie, how are you? How was your weekend? Uh, good, yeah. It was uh, a bit of a distraction away from rugby. I uh, had a golf intro thing at the weekend. Uh, but yeah, Norway has this Interesting rule that uh, even though I'm playing golf in Ireland since I'm 10, I yeah. have to prove to them I can play. So, uh, yeah, so I had to do a, an intro course this weekend, but it actually turned out a lot better than we thought. And nice. Yeah, yeah. The instructor guy realized that it was me, a Scotch mate, an English mate, and uh, he kind of realized immediately, like, okay, you boys are just taking a box here. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, he actually gave us some pointers and it ended up being like uh, free simulator time and, and nice. yeah, it worked out well. But yeah, so that was a, a nice distraction from rugby. That's uh, that's definitely the intro to a joke, isn't it? Yeah, an, an Englishman and Irishman and the Scotsman walk into a golf club. <laughs> the instructor actually did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. But, uh, no, yeah, so it was uh, yeah, a bit of a distraction. Uh, a busy week in work last week, so Friday was very chill. Just did that yesterday. Watched the Finland and Dora game from yesterday. And then, yeah, today I'm here. Cool. What was the result of that one? Uh, finished 31 23 to Finland. Okay. So okay. Uh, it was 28 0 to Finland after 30 minutes. Wow. And then Finland didn't score again until the last kick of the game. Hey. So Andorra went 23 unanswered points. Okay. Um, yeah, it was interesting. Um, Finland's. I think the Finnish pack have spent the entire winter in the gym. Hmm. It was some very good weight put on those boys, and they were physical to begin with. So uh, they they came out of the gates, firing, scored two or three minutes in. Um, Is that really big winger still playing? Yeah, yeah. He actually barely took. If I need Alistair, if you're listening, this Finnish head coach, I talk a lot. He's a very good player, but uh, no, he actually wasn't involved in the game much. Oh. It was a real forwards game. Um, so. Yeah, John Poole is their eight. He played six against us. Yeah. I gave him on the match. He's a very yeah. good player. Their eight against us played a lock, and he's put on a, a few very good yeah. kilos. He's the, the, the weird brother. Yeah, oh, yeah. Last yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, he was in lock with a. a I can't pronounce any of his names. But yeah, very, <laughs> very good lock that they have. And then, uh, yeah, late in the game, they moved Basque out to eight and then brought in a heavier lock. So their four, five, eight were just huge men. But the game was at like 1100 meters altitude. Yeah. 20 degrees. So, yeah, Andorra seemed to, I don't know if that was the factor or they just mm. got some momentum. But yeah, they came back into it and got a try and a kick before half time. And then, uh, yeah, we were 13, 13 points in the second half. So, yeah, yeah it was good. Um, yeah. So, no, it's interesting you mentioned, obviously, the, the Finland Andorra match next week is a pretty big week for you boys. Do you want to maybe explain what's going on? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, Friday we're traveling to yeah over to Andorra to play them on Saturday. So uh, we had one game in the autumn, so now we have two in the spring. Uh, so we play Andorra this weekend, and then Denmark two weeks later in Stavanger. At our, I think at most levels, but at our level for sure, you have to play within an hour of an international airport. And obviously, yeah, Andorra can't. Yeah. yeah. So the compromise, which I think is very fair, they have to get a bus or they pay for a bus to pick us up from Barcelona Airport and bring us the three hours up to Andorra. I think that's fair. Yeah. Because otherwise, yeah. they wouldn't be allowed to play. So, yeah, I think that's quite fair. Um, so, yeah, we have a flight at 6 30 Friday morning uh, 
yeah, so like first fleet target over over to the airport, and uh, yeah, bus up a couple hours to shake the legs out, and then we would captain's run, and then uh, yeah, play Andorra. Um, not in the national stadium, unfortunately, but mm. the stadium up the road. Um, we played um, yeah Saturday afternoon, so it's five o'clock kickoff. Nice, so a bit later than normal, yeah. uh, so a bit more time to kill, and I don't know if that'll be the boys to sleep in, but I don't know. I think nerves might build a bit more, yeah. so <laughs> definitely go for a stroll through town and get the boys to go for coffee or whatever. Just to, uh, yeah, Andorra is Andorra on, on a coast? No, yeah, so it's, it's, it's landlocked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. the, the game. Uh, Finland and Dora this weekend was just over a thousand meters, but we're mm. a nine minute drive away, but we're at 1240 meters altitude. Oh, right. So, uh, my SNC guy is saying that uh, Alex, just to so he gets mentioned, <laughs> he said, uh, yeah, aerobic fitness is way hard enough, but anaerobic shouldn't affect you until like about 1800 meters, he said. So, it shouldn't, but based off Finland yesterday, maybe it does a bit. Uh, but that could be also their new size, yeah, slowing down a bit. But, uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be new. A lot more travel on the Friday for yeah. the squad. It's gonna be just definitely warmer com- conditions than we're normally used to. Has has the travel and the altitude kind of factored into your preparations for the game in terms of how you've trained the guys? Uh, yes and no. Yes, at, at Camp One was way more fitness and conditioning mm. uh, intensive than normal, um, which was factored in about Andorra, but also necessary because most of our boys haven't been on pitch since October. Uh, I think that's a topic we'll come on to later, but mm. that's something where I think all Scandinavian countries are pushing for autumn games. Mm. Spring just yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. Um, we're playing in Stavanger against Denmark. Mm. Really good setup. We had training camp there. Really looking forward to it. Um, but yeah we're doing it because we can't guarantee we'll have grass yeah. in Oslo uh, that's what happened this last spring last mm-hmm. minute I think 10 days notice we had to move down the game down to Horton uh, mm-hmm. yeah so that's where we're going with the Langer uh, and then, yeah really looking forward to that one and there's a team I'm not going to name names because I forget people but there is a, a group set up specifically for organising everything for that game nice. so mm-hmm. uh, yeah that's really good so. we've, we've got a lot to talk about in, in terms of Norwegian rugby but could you maybe give us a bit of background into your route, firstly into playing and coaching and how you eventually wound up where you are now? Yeah, so I, uh, uh, in the last year of secondary school, uh, we had a guy in our class that was, uh, he was a year behind me, but I was just kind of mates with him. And he uh, played, so he was 16s, but playing 18s as prop, which mm. is a huge jump in size yeah. at that age. And uh, he got a bag of cushion and the parents just said, no, you're, you're done now, you're, you're staying at 16s. Um, so he decided to drag me and another lad in to go and start playing. All right, cool. I need new sport. Why not? Uh, start playing um, from years of basketball, I think decent hands or had mm. decent hands so yeah we were doing passing drills and stuff and I'd turn up to the first session they were like alright go with backs yeah and uh, yeah passing drills and stuff everything went fine and then I came to sprints and it was like dead last <laughs> uh, into the forwards yeah well yeah. then it came to the first game and it was kind of like alright bench we might not be able to use you you know you only had a handful of sessions and tackle practice and stuff and then one day locks mm. went down and they were like do you want to give it a go I was like yeah why not uh, really experienced lock beside me and I got a four second intro into scrum that lock and scrumming forward so uh, end of the game forward coach just dragged me and said you're, you're staying with us now <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, oh you but, poor bloke yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think it was the backs didn't want me anyway <laughs> Uh, but yeah, played for set up Newbridge Rugby Club. Uh, played for them uh, for a few years. Uh, went to university, 
played for them. Um, I think every team I played for, we've had a jumping back row. Uh, so the fact that I'm six foot, scraping six foot, didn't matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We just kind of went with the French model. It's two, <laughs> two powerful locks, scrummage, and then a, back, a jumping back row. So uh, <laughs> that worked in the club team, that worked in the university. Uh, yeah, so played there. And then I left Ireland, moved to Canada for a couple of years, played over there um, with a team in Toronto, which Chris... Uh, Saginaw Chris Thompson yeah. he's now actually joined them oh, okay. yeah, so I sent him yeah, over yeah. details they're really good lads it's um, uh, they're Bay Street Pigs and Bay Street is the Canadian version of Wall Street so right, yeah, okay. professionals yeah. comes over time yeah. we're not training yeah. so you, we don't take beginners if you have experience we'll, we'll take you kind of yeah. situation yeah. we'll just play games and social but because of the level of expats that are there they actually ended up quite good yeah. <laughs> yeah, the year I was there we got to the, the, the final and the first and the seconds of the Great Toronto League um, yeah and then body was absolutely ruined and it was actually we before the podcast started we talked about the fact that I have uh, arthritis mm. and I think that was the, the Achilles was the first sign of arthritis that was misdiagnosed um, yeah. so the, my Achilles is like double the thickness of a normal Achilles and that just continued to get worse so uh, but yeah me and the missus uh, were moving here and mostly for social reasons it was like right I have to join a team <laughs> uh, so I very poorly planned and uh, a trip to Oslo to visit her. Uh, 2014, Ireland won the championship on the last day. I think it was against France. That was the first one under Schmidt. Yeah, Schmidt. yeah. You were yeah. in Norway. I was in Norway. Yeah, right, the yeah, Canadian yeah. side booked to come that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> was, that so, Paddy, was that Paddy's weekend as well? Yeah, yeah. Right. So, I, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a huge... Uh, other Irish people might differ, but for me, Paddy's Day in Ireland, I never cared about it. When right. you leave Ireland, then it's kind of a sense of community and home. And now yeah, I care a bit yeah. more, but I didn't care. So booking a trip away for Paddy's, I didn't care. But last weekend at Six Nations, I really did care. Mm. Uh, so in a panic, just went on Facebook and Google Oslo Rugby, found Saginaw, which was called Oslo at the time, and just said, where do you go and watch the game? Where's anywhere where shows it? Um, and that was it. Yeah, I went in and I was like, "And you're joining Saginaw, yeah. <laughs> joining Oslo." Yeah. That weekend it was Ireland France and it was twenty to twenty to Ireland. Yeah, Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then this was oh. a different side to me that day. She didn't. <laughs> she was a bit concerned. I think <laughs> <laughs> it was a very nervous end of the game. But, uh, yeah. Mm. Nice. And then so from there. What was the journey to coming head coach of the national team? Yeah, so I, I played for a couple of years, a couple of seasons, but only a handful of games really. The mm. uh, was really, I had to turn up half an hour early to warm it up and get to a session, any kind of stop or ruin, I couldn't play. And pretty much of my sock, I had uh, two paracetamol, two ibuprofen and two caffeine pills. Yeah. So whenever Glenn gave me the shout, I'd pop all six and <laughs> get me through a sub-appearance. Um, Makes change from a blood capsule or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or the rest of the Norwegians have snooze in there. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Glenn, uh, I don't know if you boys, Glenn's before your time, is he? Glenn Collins? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so he was the Saginaw player, captain for I think six or seven years and then coaching the same length of time. Um, and the first year I retired, I kind of disappeared, to be honest. I withdrew completely. Didn't want to didn't want to be that guy turning up all the socials when I wasn't training and playing. Yeah, and everyone was welcoming, but you just kind of feel like a spare tip. Yeah. So uh, I kind of withdrew a bit, and then he dragged me back in to help me with the forwards because he was a 9 or a 10, didn't have a forwards coach at the time. So, um, yeah, reluctantly, I, I agreed to that uh, and then just got hooked immediately, loved it. Yeah. Um, so our first year of coaching, uh, we won the championship after not winning it for six or seven years, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and that was the start of the, the 
Spider-Man on there? Domination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's about five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Stavanger did three in a row before yeah. us. Yeah. So I played my f- second game also or in Norway was the Stavanger's first win of the three in a row. Right. Right. Okay. Um, so I got five minutes off the bench and then got excluded in the squad for the final. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't right. I shouldn't be here. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, Glenn dragged me in, coached for three years under him, forwards. Mm. Uh, which was really good and during that time Fusion was really gone which you, you've talked about Fusion yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Fusion was really gone so it was kind of Glenn's head coach and me really were the two assistant coaches for that um, yeah so really really enjoyed it uh, Glenn's family moved to just outside Trondheim so he uh, was leaving Saginaw and then I was asked to take over and coach them um, and that's when I brought Chris in as forwards coach and uh, Rob Gannon as the yeah. backs coach um, so yeah the three of us worked really well together um, and I only actually did it for two years but one mm-hmm. season because of COVID yeah okay um, and then during that second season um, because of COVID the the UK coaches of the Norway team couldn't come over. They just weren't allowed in the country. They'd have to yeah. quarantine for, they'd have to miss two weeks of work for a weekend. Yeah. So it just wasn't possible. So me and a couple other guys kind of ran camps for them. Uh, so the first one was me, Glyn, who's my forwards coach now, uh, Mr. Manger, and Carl from Bergen. Uh, he was the Bergen coach at the time as well. So the three of us kind of ran it and then that's when Mike Pride came in and, and was the medic and Alex yeah. was strength and conditioning and uh, Lena was the team manager at the time. Yeah. Yeah, they, we ran ran two camps and then at the second camp at the end of it I got approached by a couple of senior players saying that uh, they thought it was time for a change and they recommended that but they wanted to know if I would step in as interim mm-hmm. head coach so that was the Denmark game uh, 18 months ago I think that was the game where we watched it on TV one team looked like just the shape of them yeah. it was just like an amateur team and then the Danes turned up and they were all like <laughs> Huge and muscly and yeah. big, and it was like, yeah, this isn't going to go. <laughs> Just before we walked out, thankfully none of the players saw it, so I didn't, I didn't pass on the reaction. But like, they had this. He was Aussie here in New Zealand. He barely spoke, but he shook my hand before the game. I haven't seen him since, so I don't know if he's involved anymore. He's like full sleeve tattoos and crushed my hand. <laughs> he's not even fucking playing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so that uh, yeah, took him in injury for that game. And, and look, Denmark were definitely a better team. Definitely deserved to win. We were kind of shell shocked at the start and conceded. Mm-hmm. I think outside fifteen minutes up to sixty three, I think they won seven nil. Okay, all right. So they ran in a load of tries at the end when the game yeah. was done, and then they started on fire and really yeah. shot us. So 100% deserved to win the game, but I think with 47 nil, I don't think it was a fair reflection of how the game went. Um, but yeah, I, I was like helping out camps and doing the interim thing. It was kind of like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll help you boys out. Won't leave anyone stuck. And then by the end of that film, Denmark weekend, despite the results, I was like, no, fuck, I want this job. Yeah. Yeah. They did advertise it anyway, which was the plan. And I got it yeah, permanently then after that. So it was a couple of weeks later, got it. Perfect, it pretty quick to be honest. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I got the job from them, and uh, yeah, so we've only had two games since then. But um, yeah. I feel there's been a big improvement in both games. Finland in the spring, I think they deserved it, or they did deserve it. Sorry, uh, in the spring, um, but it was a huge step up from us physically and gameplay wise than the Denmark game and then people will argue with this but I genuinely believe we were the better team in the autumn and, and I won't say yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I won't yeah. say should have won, won the game because you have to you have to take a win you don't get no one hands it to you mm. but 
I think it was very close. It definitely wasn't a 19-point game. No, no. I think from from the outside, that game just looked yeah. like a couple bits of obviously the big winger run like length of the pitch off a turnover or something to score. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. They had a number eight who picked it off the base, and then yeah, someone missed a tackle on him, and he was really yeah. good, and he scored. It was just like a couple of yeah, yeah, yeah individual yeah. bits from the finish. No, it was, <laughs> and then, no, it and then they had three of their boys pick up Theo over the try line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It was a really good support line from him, but yeah. It was, it was a great line, yeah. But then, yeah, um, I think that, from the outside, that looked like what it was, but... Yeah. Yeah, I think in terms of then your... You said that you used to um, be a forwards coach under... Glenn. Glenn, yeah. who, was a, who was a halfback, yeah. nine or ten. What's your kind of... This is kind of a double question. What's your sort of coaching philosophy? And Tom, after calling Saga old um, and saying forwards are scared of talent and, uh, and shouldn't go into coaching... Um, you can't come today, unfortunately. Can, can I just say, you're the one who actually called out the old man strength of Sargonin. That's an old man strength. <laughs> That's a positive. <laughs> um, but then it, looked, it seems like, firstly, what's your coaching philosophy? Um, and secondly, why does it seem like there's so many forwards that go more forwards than backs, especially kind of half-backs, the tactical mm. people that go into coaching rather than, you know, rather than the way around? Yeah, so in the first one, coaching philosophy, um, I don't like to play completely off the cuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like tapping goals no structure I don't like that but I also don't like okay with the scrum on the left hand side here's the next 15 phases boys this mm-hmm. is exactly how you play the point of the structure is it's giving options and it's up to the players to decide those options because they're still on the pitch not me mm-hmm. um, so it's the same with Norway now like if we have a red uh, forward pod and the nine gives a forward pod that guy has four options mm. and if the option isn't the crash if the option is to, to pass it if the 10 gets the ball out the back he then has three four options yeah. so it's, it's really just playing heads up rugby but within a framework so we do I'm not giving away any any opposition <laughs> are listening here but like like we play one three two one I yeah. think anyone who looks at our team for five minutes can see yeah. it's a one three two one so it's a framework it's a structure we will have if we need slow ball we need to crash we have three forwards that are ready to crash yeah. it but that doesn't mean that because they're there we have to take that option there's always options so I put a lot of decision making into our 9, 10, 12 mm. uh, players really it's, it's interesting so I think the first episode we did Tom said that if you were the coach and you had Finn Russell in your team literally you just get the ball bag for him just go and get the ball bag let him do what he wants how would a player like that kind of fit into your teams you reckon like someone who is naturally just so gifted but is also a bit of a loose cannon <sighs> Wouldn't get in. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that's the answer. Yeah. yeah, if I had a if I had an option, that would be answered. Yeah. But if I was, I don't know, the Lions coach, and I had the option of Farrell, Sexton, Finn Russell. Yeah, Finn Russell would maybe make the bench if we were chasing a score, but I don't think I'd pick him. Yeah, because I think he's unreliable. I think he's proven time after time he can win a game on his own, but he can also lose two or three. On his yeah, own. he can. Yeah, uh, incredibly gifted, incredibly talented. Mm-hmm. Like can see and throw passes that no one else sees. But I mean that pass to Hugh Jones against uh, England is just that was just outrageous. Yeah. Like incredible yeah. skill. But that's the highlight reel everyone remembers. Yeah. What about the two intercept tries that he tried to send past <laughs> and it went under his sticks? Like they're just that's not the type of player I want at the time. Uh, and that's probably goes into the structured rather than complete not chaos, chaos is the wrong word, that sounds demeaning. But like <laughs> unstructured, like that's where I would prefer a ten to have control and, and understand the game plan and then yeah, if he sees if he sees a gap, go for it. Or if he sees a pass, go for it. But having some sort of framework there. Yeah. So you're putting your your idea is that you're putting together 
a series of options that the players can choose from. It's three or four mm-hmm. options in each yeah. phase or whenever any player gets the ball, you're putting the options around them and then they're choosing the options mm-hmm. rather than yeah. the players are coming up with the options themselves yeah. off the cuff yeah, yeah, and yeah, choosing whatever yeah. option they want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's, yeah, that's the best way. I'm, I'm giving them a multiple choice test and they can pick which option. <laughs> yeah, they're sticking to my question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and not just writing A, B, C, D or all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, that, that's, I guess that's sums up my coaching philosophy. Yeah, it's just um, like we have some really talented players with Norway at the moment, and, and for yeah. you to just put a leash on them and say, This is the way we're playing, and we set pieces as six phases, and you have to play six yeah. phases. Well, look at the Finland game. What if Cadden just breaks through four tackles, and, and then suddenly we're. 20 meters down the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. My next five phases, fucking yeah, thing. Reckon like <laughs> so, uh, no, it's really about options and then reacting to those options. And, and players around you need to know when we have, like, yeah. Yeah, and we have those options. How, so, I mean, that, I think that brings us pretty well onto, onto the, current, the current squad that you've got now. How, you know, how the boys going? How, yeah, are there any, any players to watch for the Andorra game for people for people listening in? Yeah, so we have, um, actually just, just before I walk in the door, I just check on the team sheet to make sure. But <laughs> we actually have, uh, we have six debutants. Uh, oh, wow. 23, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have uh, a new prop from Trondheim, Cedric. Uh, just, yeah. I think he's half French, but mm. it's a really big guy. He showed up at Camp 1, we didn't even know he was. Mm. Um, and he's really impressed incredible by Orange. Uh, he's done really well. Um, with two Welsh brothers that have come in. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Both one definitely a lock, one's a lock slash back row. Uh, both very physical. Um, yeah, they look good. Um, I guess the one I'm, I would say to look out for in the game is Jacob. He's a new um, back row. Um, and yeah, he's a really destructive, like physical carrier, tackler. Mm-hmm. Something that really impressed me was in the change room before the game last week mm-hmm. he said watch out for Alexi every international team has an Alexi yeah. you need, if you can't stop him we shouldn't even board the plane to Andorra yes. yeah. they actually have a pro D2 starting lock so <laughs> if you can't stop Alexi you're not going to stop him yeah. um, uh, just as we're walking up the pitch this guy Jacob he's, he just turned 19 wow. Wow. and turned to Glenn and said which one's Alexi pointing at I was like, I fucking love that. Yeah. <laughs> but, and it wasn't just tall because he backed yeah, it up. Yeah. And he, he, ran, he shot out a line every time at him. Um, he yeah. did really well. That's incredible. Um, yeah, so yeah, Jacob, I'm really looking forward to see, see what he does. Um, uh, in the back line, we've moved some stuff around, so not new players specifically yeah. starting. Um, but we have uh, Adam Jones, who was the Stanger yeah. 8. Um, Playing centre. Yes. Yeah. Back to where his Damn. strongest position. That's where he started. That's where he played most of his career. He looks like a new man. Uh, Even with the mullet. <laughs> Even married. with the mullet. <laughs> Even with the mullet. But uh, no, no, he just, he, he, he just looks completely at home with 12 yeah, again. Yeah. And uh, I know he played eight and works with the club. And uh, I think yeah. last weekend when when we were walking out onto the pitch, you saw who the number 12 was against you and you were like, fuck. Yeah, he's a big lad. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's a big lad. So he's, he, he messaged me after after the last week and he said he's been growing his mullet for two years. So uh, that's pretty impressive, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. is that a, is that a ta- have you have you had a word to the boys about mullets or is that a ta- <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't grow hair, so uh, <laughs> I'm uh, making the boys all yeah grow the mullets that I wish I could grow. Right. So, uh, so if yeah. you get if you if you grow a mullet, you're more likely to get into the into the twenty three. No, no, you're absolutely guaranteed. Are oh, you guaranteed? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not likely you're guaranteed. So, right, who who 
In the in the team at the moment, who has the best mullet in your opinion? So very obvious. I don't know. I think it's really close between Fred and Adam. The so one I'm most the one I'm most proud of, and I hope it works. It depends on one of the boys' ability to grow a moustache. But two props with Cedric and Tora. Yeah. yeah, both really big guys. Both have, yeah. both have mullets. <laughs> yeah. and Cedric's just missing a moustache. So Cedric, I told you this in person. Please grow that fucking moustache. <laughs> you're you're the national team coach. You want to win. Yeah, getting your rugby. Um, but then also, I guess you've got Norwegian rugby's interests at heart as well, trying to make rugby bigger and better in Norway as well. Yeah. How do you balance between finding blokes? Like like a bunkle who is London Welsh captain or you know but who doesn't really have any ties to Norway but who makes the national team better and finding people who care about playing for Norway and who are Norwegian or maybe you know learn their rugby in Norway like how do you balance those how do you balance those two things It's tricky to be honest Yeah um, I can imagine it's really hard Yeah because camps it's a big thing when it comes to camps mm. you can't fly from a different country and do it both camps a couple yeah. of ways do but most of them don't most of them say which camp do you want me and then they'll prioritise and then we'll get the full squad at one camp Yeah, but it is tricky because if I can work with the players more often it's going to benefit it's going to benefit us but I also think to grow the game in the country I think Norway now have won a game in five years Yeah, wow. we need to win Yeah, because we have no sponsors Yeah, if we can get a couple of wins we can get a sponsor yeah. then we can get more players then we can grow the game and it's kind of we're, we're chasing that win so that the next steps fall into place right. yeah so yeah, it's a, it's a really tricky one. Like mm. the age profile of my squad right now is it's old. varied. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's like now with the, the six debutants, that's yeah. reducing the age for sure. But the two games last year, we we had an old squad, and mm. and it is yeah, it's it's it's, it's a tricky balance. It's, and it's, uh, you're ho- you're hoping that young homegrown players are going to come in and demand the shirt. They'll be given mm. chances for sure. Um, but at the moment, I think there is a worry that they're not at the level required. Yeah, like yeah. our camp one was a complete open camp. Anyone qualified or soon to be qualified were well, when invited to that camp. We got notice out on the clubs. I hope that was passed on, but we didn't really find any new players from that. Yeah. So I don't know if people feel there's a barrier of not at the national level yet. Yeah. Um, which is a reason that me and, and, and Rob, um, particularly, Glenn obviously would be welcome in all of this as well, too, of course. But me and Rob had discussed like notifying Tronheim. All right, head coach or forwards coach, whatever you want to call it, and the backs coach are coming up to Tronheim. On Saturday, we're going to have a camp for all players. We want, like, not demand. We requested, <laughs> we requested the national player that are there, but it's open to the whole club. Yeah. Mm. And then we do a session with them and try and bring everyone up a new level. And it's great, actually. I had a message last week uh, from Ignacio, who's the coach up there. Mm-hmm. And he said he'd really like to have a, a Zoom call or something just to have a chat about it. But if we can raise the standard overall, yeah, that gets more people in the camp. That makes the whole squad more competitive. And then suddenly, like, all right, Jack, you've been the 12 for the last five games. Now you have some young kid coming in like, yeah. on that shirt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're either going to be the type of person who gives up the shirt, but realistically, if you've been made the shirt, you're going to make you're it's going to make you a better player. Yeah, because yeah. you're really going to push to say, "Well, no, I'm a tough guy. I just give it up." I think. Yeah. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, that, that's and that's what we need. So we need yeah. we need more players in there. But it, yeah. it, it, it is a balance at the moment of yeah, we we have to we have players outside this country that play at a very high level. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Joe plays not two. Yeah. Will the number eight? His club is not one, and he, he's between. He's bounced between the first and the seconds this year. But okay. that's, that's a really high level. Yeah, yeah still, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, it, it's it's a balance of 
trying to keep as many local and regional players interested and involved, yeah. striving for that jersey. But also, we need yeah, we need to be competitive to raise awareness to hopefully get sponsors. Yeah. And for you, is that the biggest challenge facing Norwegian rugby right now? I think the player player numbers yeah. is the biggest issue right now. Um, I was told yesterday actually that the, the numbers this year are up from last year registered players mm. I hope that's true <laughs> but looking at seven tournament yesterday and three teams go that's not good uh, last year when we did the home the two games home and away I was completely I actually suggested it in the first place I thought it was a great idea but fixtures need to be in a different way where people can afford to do that and yeah. unfortunately it's something you kind of have to accept okay we're going to go home and away we're going to have eight games but we're going to suffer for two three years we're going to accept there's going to be four for the games mm-hmm. because if we suffer through that two three years then we come out the other end of it with way more players playing because yeah. you don't lose those three bottom guys yeah. that never made a 23 this year because they will make a 23 yeah uh, so yeah it's, it's it's a difficult balance so the, the compromise that I suggested this year which is happening is go back to playing each team once but then two East v West games mm. yeah and I've requested that one of them I'll have a bit of control over yeah. and it, you know really prioritise national or soon to be qualified guys yeah but the other one is just a free for all best I mean I think, I think yeah. you can make it a big event and like get, a co- get the coaches from the five clubs plus me on a Zoom call and go with the majority wins and mm. we pick two 15s. Yeah. How fucking amazing would that be? Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. like you have the last game of the season and maybe you can't qualify for the final but you're you're trying to play for this East Free West team. Mm. You're going to play out of your skin that game. Mm, sure. So I think that could be really good and, and just playing a higher standard of games on a regular basis. Yeah. I mean, like no one learns anything from an 84-0 win or loss. Yeah. No yeah. yeah. Anything from that. No. We need better games. We need culture. 84-0, that was very specific to us against Bergen. Yeah. That was good. That was a score. <laughs> I was coach that game, so I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> that was all me. But yeah, no, I mean, and it's the same thing with like, you know, the, the game we had... Was it last weekend? Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant initiative. Like, it was, I think everyone, I mean, I'm not sure, I don't know if you enjoyed it that much, but like, I think everyone playing, and from our side anyway, we, we all yeah. loved it and we were like, why don't we do this more? Like, why can't we do this? Yeah. Whenever yeah. they're in yeah. town. No, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Or even just, you know, having a, and, you know, people came down and we had like a decent crowd and it was, you know, it was really interesting. People were really interested. Well, I guess and it, and it, it's it kind of, insane. it's going back to the old thing, right? Like the only way you're going to improve is by playing games. Yeah. Yeah, you know someone Just, like like a like a Torda who's been playing a long time in terms of years but hasn't played yeah. you need, people like that they need to play games yeah. like even whatever level whatever yeah. situation they're in they need to they need to just play because you can train as much as you want but if you don't and that's why we as Blinden are like making our own games because mm. we just think yeah we could play four games a year and then you know two of them be competitive and two of them would play against people who are a bit better than us or a lot better than us in some cases but then you know that's not enough to like keep a team going you, know, no, you want to play internal I mean, games and play games against Sweden yeah I mean we're going we're going to Sweden in the 10s now yeah starting in a few weeks actually yeah so um, no, I think it was I think it was great, and yeah, doing more more of that kind of yeah, exhibition we, stuff yeah. is a really good way to get it to get it done. I think. Yeah, we did we did it last spring where uh, our national camp collided with the Wanger hosting the sevens, so it was really hard on the boys that were playing both. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. We, I wouldn't advo- we won't be doing that again. 
but it kind of sparked the idea. So what we did was we had our Friday training session, we had our Saturday morning training session, and then the boys were allowed to go and play sevens. But right. Try to limit their minutes within yeah. reason. I can't tell you as the coach, Torque can play six minutes. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. that's not fair. <laughs> yeah. But I can request that if you're up by 30, he's the first guy you get up. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we yeah. did. And, yeah. and I think I had a fairly good understanding with most of the coaches that I didn't try and step on toes, but mm. tried to use some common sense. Um, and at the end of that, on the Friday, we basically got a scratch team from all the sevens players who mm. it wasn't ideal. They were really tired. It was complete scratch, no training. They were drunk. They were probably drunk. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was just a, a way to get a hit out in contact rugby. Um, so when this opportunity came along, I said, okay, we need to get a game at this camp because none of us have had contact mm. properly other than sevens guys since October. Um, and we had the opportunity to play the German champions but that was a camp one and that would have been too soon you, you can't go to the first camp and go straight to camp okay. yeah, yeah that would have been and they're yeah, a good we, standard over in Germany yeah they are Yeah, yeah very yeah. good yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, yeah I reached out to just yeah. send a message to Ben and Matthias and said see what you can do yeah. and uh, the two boys just ran with it it was great yeah. um, it was awesome yeah it was really good uh, so no I, I want to do games like that I want to you know if it's more convenient to just play an Oslo select like this weekend yeah. and no one has to travel and there's no money involved because I know Norwegian rugby is a very expensive participation sport mm. but imagine playing against the club 15 yeah that'd be incredible mm. it'd be a huge day of rugby mm. um, and you could even if we had the numbers on our side you boys definitely would where you could have a Norwegian development team where I say to someone that like okay you've missed out the last 20, couple of 23s you might have mm. training camp you're really showing signs of progress you're going to play in this development game against a second string club 15 yeah. which would be mostly developed players yeah, yeah. and then you have two games back to back you have minimum 60 but realistically 70 80 rugby players in the city for the day you yeah. just turn it into a big event yeah, yeah. really cool so it'll take planning and that could be a next year thing not this year yeah. but, but that, I think that's what we need to do we need more games and if we can get more games against Oslo Select or Clubs or whatever it is that's the benefit how is the balance of you know work and family and coaching national team uh, it's tough it is but it's it's kind of different to coaching the club. So when I coached Sagana, it was twice a week, games a weekend. It was a lot less pressure, a lot less intense, mm-hmm. but over a way longer period of time. With the national team, it's it's basically two six-week blocks where I just don't have a life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, I have a missus who's very supportive and accepts that. But yeah, it, it's really tough. Yeah. Uh, so the first year when I was in about the interim head coach of, of Norway at the start, I was still head coach of Sagan at the time. Yeah. And I honestly, like, I took a week off work and thought I was going to have a full, like, burnout situation. Mm. Like, I was just ruined at the end of it mm. because I had to organize staging the final because of some administrative situation where the game should have been in Bishop and then was dumped on Sagan at the last minute. Thankfully, I had Sharky, uh, who did a huge part in that. But me and Sharky had to organize the final right. at the last minute notice while I was taking over the national team for the first time. Um, I was just ruined after it. I just slept for a week. So that was that was way too much. Yeah. And what I say when this is very, very supportive, really encourages it. Uh, that was one thing she said. When Chris left Canada, left for Canada, yeah. you're not doing this. Yeah. I saw what it did to you 18 months ago. But yeah, national game, you just you have to be very organized. You have to plan. Uh, yeah, well, good. So... So you're saying, you know, it's two week blocks and you talk about, you know, camps and all of this kind of stuff. What actually goes into kind of, say you've got a game coming up, how many camps do you do? How long are the camps? Like, what do you do in those camps? Like, how does it, how does it kind of What's the day to day, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, So we, we get the fixtures from where we 
Europe. So right now we don't know what we're playing in the autumn because they do it on a cycle. So they'll release late June and we'll get the autumn and the spring fixtures. And then based off that, we work um, we work on getting camp dates. So what we did this year was the myself, own uh, myself and Karina, and then Owen, the sevens coach, Gigi Diego was the team manager. I think he still is, but he definitely yeah, was there. Yeah. Like, yeah, he is. He is, he is. So the five of us just basically created a group chat and said, right, yeah. we need to work together here. And I had a, call, a couple of calls with Owen about it as well, where we just did what we could. And mm. um, thankfully for them, they let us have the camp last weekend because because of Easter and because of our now games, they didn't have time to fit in another camp. So mm. they moved their camps earlier, which was huge for us. If we didn't work together on that, if they didn't help us with that, yeah. I don't know what we would have done. We would have had, you know, which is in between seven. Yeah, no, no one wants yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was awesome. They did that. So what they did, uh, what they did, which I need to learn from, is that they realized we can't play camps in Norway in February. So yeah. they went to Italy. Yeah. And then they went to Brighton in March, where you're south coast, you're a bit nicer wetter than air, you're not dealing with snow. So they had two camps earlier. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just setting out two camps. Two camps is really a struggle. I feel we need another camp now. So the first camp is kind of getting all the new guys in, newly qualified, getting them all up to speed. And that's kind of all you get out of camp one. Yeah. And then camp two is game prep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to have a third camp where the first camp is open camp, open to the whole country. Anyone can go. And then with two serious camps with 30, 35 players. Yeah. Um, but again, these guys are paying to travel with their clubs all year. They're paying to come to camps. They're paying to go to games. I think it's too much of a financial burden. Mm-hmm. So... We're, we're looking at solutions of what we can possibly do. Maybe we do one over winter in January, February, indoor, and do a rugby weekend where it's union, league, sevens, yeah. share the cost of the pitch. Friday and Saturday morning can be basic rugby, like conditioning, passing, catching, tackling, everything that's unified over the three colds, and then we split on yeah. Friday. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's a really good uh, segue, I think, into into the other question of, you know, you talk about player numbers in a country that's small, you know, that isn't a rugby country. You know, and the NRF is at the top of all the kind of, of you know, Aussie rules and league and union and sevens. And Gaelic, and Gaelic, and Gaelic yeah. And yeah. Gaelic, yeah. <laughs> um, we've had a conversation before, you know, that, you know, league and union is so similar in terms of, you know, comparing to other sports in the country that, you know, players want to play both, there's clubs that want to do both. Yeah. How does it work in terms of, and you've just said about, you know, doing a camp where you combine everything together. Um, you know, how, what's your opinion on, on the league, union, sevens? Are they competing against each other? Should they be working together? Is it all one big part that you can kind of pick and choose from? Or like, how, how, how is it in your, in your mind? How does that work? And what, should it be like going forward? So going forward for me is the most important part and mm. we need to work together. Uh, yeah. We absolutely do. We have players that could help out the league team and the league team definitely has players that can help out. Yeah. So we need we did, we need to work for both. In the past, I think it's even before my time here, there was bad blood back and forth, both sides to blame, yeah. everyone to blame. Yeah. You know, depends who side of the argument you ask on, but yeah. It doesn't matter. For me, that doesn't matter. That's in the past. Yeah. We move on. And it's before my time. It's definitely before your time. Yeah. Um, but we need to uh, we need to work together. Um, and I've, via my pride, I've talked to, to Norwegian, the lead coach of handful of times, but I actually talked to him directly this week. And we're both very keen to make something work. We haven't found a solution yet. We don't know what the solution is. Um, I'd love to play a national team against a national team. 40 minutes, you 40 minutes league. That'd be brilliant. That'd be brilliant. I would love that. 
but I also realized that this is not a diss on league at all, but mm. it's like the league boys can't in one weekend learn, okay, yeah, we're going to do yeah, yeah, yeah. we're going to do rooks. Even if we cut out the line even if we didn't push at the scrums, that's half a season of coaching for a new player. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know what the, the compromise would be. Maybe we just play a game in the league and I don't know, one of the halves, you don't have the five, I was going to say five touches, but five monster tackles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Five but you don't have yeah. five, you don't have the five sets. Yeah. Maybe that's the union advantage, the second half, we can play phases and, and build, I don't know. But I'm really keen, Liam is really keen and yeah, we want to work together. So we should have our fixtures June. He said they've worked with qualifiers later in the year and they'll yeah. find out relatively soon. Yeah. And then we can figure out something together. But yeah, yeah no, absolutely want to work together. Like there's, it's too small a playing pool. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's what we... And, you know. and there's some great players in the league, though. Like, oh, the one game I saw of Lillestrom against the Capitals in Lillestrom, some of the players were fantastic. Oh, God, there's players, yeah. you know, there's players who bang, and then there's, you know, you talk to... I haven't met someone who says, nah, I'm not playing. I, like, I don't want to play Union. I haven't yeah. met someone who goes, nah, I'm not doing it. Like, yeah, yeah. Crap, I don't want to do that. They, everyone just wants to play. And they're so, you know, at this level as well, they're so... The kind of the nuances are mitigated a little bit mm. because the level's lower than, you know, if there's no bloody Joseph Swally ego over from... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. you know, I think, I think it'd be great. Yeah. No, 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 it'd be, it'd be really good. And then, yeah, there is, there is some really good players. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and uh, I hope that some of our guys could help lead too. Yeah. I think the perfect solution, but one league, league or union kind of have to make a bit of a sacrifice. But if you look at the sevens this weekend, there's three teams... From what I know, Sagana are not prioritizing sevens. Mm. Maybe they will for later rounds. Mm. Uh, they also have a lot of guys involved in national camps, so maybe that's part of it. But uh, you boys, it's not high on your priority list. No. I'm not saying you're not going to go, and NRF, this is not the two clubs aren't going to play sevens. <laughs> but we are four dominant pa- uh, yeah. squads. Yeah. Bergen, who did show up, are probably the most forward dominant. Yeah. Yeah. So if we can have sevens run at the same time as league, the fatties can go and play a league. <laughs> yeah. Rugby. Yeah. And those that want to play sevens play sevens. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then the opposite, you could have I don't know, the, the league for shorter format nines. Nines could coincide with fifteens, mm-hmm. but then someone has to play before somewhere. Yeah. Which yeah. no one wants to do. Yeah. So that's a big sacrifice for someone to make. But if if we could make that work, you could have sevens running from whenever we get astro pitches from February March all the way up to the July break at the same time yeah. sevens runs, which coincides with an M week and. European Championships yeah. in sevens and then in the autumn then you have uh, Union and we get as many league guys playing Union as we can um, and I, I I suggested that a few years ago and I didn't get an answer but uh, but my what I said as part of that was if you do this I guarantee a Saginaw team will play league because mm. everyone's just wanted more room yeah 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 uh, and that's why Fusion was so great and I know you boys are going to Sweden but like when I started coaching man, we had a full league in Sweden like eight mm. games in the spring incredible mm. Um, and it took a lot of work to get us into that and a lot of compromise where we couldn't get promoted even if we topped the division and a lot of back and forth with Dre who he coached the, he was the head coach for the final this year but he was Saginaw Oslo captain Norway captain yeah. he's the reason we became Saginaw brought us in as chairman he's done every, he's created the club basically um, and he put a lot of work in with Glenn to get into this West Swedish League mm-hmm. uh, it was incredible we had eight games before we came into the league and that's why Saginaw started winning yeah because we had all this rugby before yeah. uh, it was really good um, but then yeah uh, Vansberg decided to only play sevens and Karlstad were really 
you struggle for numbers and drops and then the league didn't exist. But yeah, yeah if you can revive something like that, a handful of games in Sweden, a handful of games in, in Denmark with, with Ben's contacts, yeah. that'd be incredible. Be great. Play more. But anyway, I've gone off topic again. So yeah. <laughs> working, working with league, absolutely. Yeah, um, I think we need to, I think we need to get our boys and I think there's a desire among the players to, to do both as well. Yeah. I can only speak for the union players, but yeah. I know the union boys are players that we, of course, they will. No, I mean, we, we, I mean, we've had, I've had guys from Halgson and other teams message me be like you know they they, they want to play Union you can see yeah, yeah. they want to yeah. it's just yeah I mean it's, it is easier to start playing league because yeah. you don't have the kind of you know you don't have scrums and line outs yeah. and rocks and stuff so it, you know I can understand why you have a you form a new club or you're a new player and you okay I just want to run straight with the ball and smack people yeah play yeah. league and then the nuances of like Union is a bit more it's a bit harder to kind of yeah. get to grips with um, uh, I guess Slater for saying this, but I think as a developing country, Norway should focus on league. League and sevens. Yeah. Sevens the Olympic sport. You get all the athletes in, and then okay. league. Well, what do you do? You bring them in, and you play touch. What changes from? Yeah. This is again not the arbitrary against league. Yeah. What changes from touch to league? Yeah. It's contact. Yeah. So you have them playing touch. You teach them how to tackle. You get them used to contact, and then you play league. Yeah. Yeah. It's such an easy job. Yeah. <laughs> like I've coached guys that are playing five, six years, and they don't understand when the ref is yeah. handling a rock. They still don't know what it's for. Well, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, anyway, working together is definitely yeah. definitely something we need to do. It's not a. a something I'd like to do I think it's a necessity at this point okay. I mean I know Ben was really keen on just asking this one question Go and on. it was it was what actually goes into um, is it Karina who's the manager yeah. the team manager yeah. what actually goes in you guys are going to Andorra this, this weekend what goes into organising a, a, an away trip mm-hmm. international rugby game or a home international rugby game and what you know what do you have to do what is Karina mm-hmm. who are the else behind the scenes works on it and what kind of what's the work that on that uh, yeah so I guess to actually set the fixtures in the first place would be Paris president going to rugby Europe meetings where they set the kind of set the fixtures um, so that would be the very start yeah. you get the fixtures then there's always a window where we can move stuff um, there's always as a game moves which is the way it goes but mm-hmm. yeah games get set and then if it's an away game uh, Karina is a fucking saint yeah she <laughs> does an incredible amount of work um, so everything goes through travel agents because if you know you lost an injury to change something mm. you're not paying for yeah. a flight or, or you know uh, but yeah she's researching hotels um, asking me when I want to go when captain's rooms are talking to the opposition even little things like kit like us in Denmark what we're red like I know that's a 30 second phone call but yeah. it still needs to be done yeah, yeah. Uh, then because we had the UK boys we used to make them fly before my time they used to be made fly to Oslo and fly as a squad together which is yeah. great but when we don't have money right now that's not possible so then she's getting an idea of selection from mm-hmm. me booking flights for UK guys organising everything through the travel agent for the Oslo guys um, and then yeah making sure we've a meal on the Friday which is generally the rookie's job to book a meal for Friday um, but for this one she's organised that the hotel will feed us Friday night breakfast Saturday obviously yeah. lunch Saturday because the game's delayed kick off yeah. so like the boys literally turn up it's amazing so she does 90% of everything right it's yeah. incredible for a home game because we have to organise a pitch booking there will actually be a committee that do that um, I think when we played the at the Denmark game I think you're, uh, Thomas Donnelly yeah. Thomas, uh, yeah. I think he was involved in that or I know he was involved in that so generally it's the, the host city club kind of have to do that but then obviously there will be NRF board members involved sure. uh, Chrissy and Jules and are generally heavily involved Chrissy is on the 
scheduling fixtures committee and used to be the team manager for Norway. Uh-huh. And then Jules is the vice president mm. of the NRF. But they're heavily involved. And when we went to Horton, they were like both involved as well. So uh, from my point of view, it's just camps and trying to pick a team. Right. I, I don't know. I feel like more stressed, but hours-wise, they're like blow me out of the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Put in. So, um, yeah, they did their job, so we just turned up as players coaches to try and win the game. So, uh, no, they put a huge amount of effort. Yeah, so there's no mean feat getting 30 lads from two different countries to go oh. play an international fixture, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of work. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, if we're playing in Oslo, because I'm here and used to work in the bar industry and have connections, kind of, mm. like, I'll help them out with that, but it's still them pulling the trigger and everything, yeah. so... Uh, yeah, no, it's, a, it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of back and forth. And some of the nations we play against are difficult to deal with. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not the Scandinavians. Yeah. Outside that, <laughs> uh, Moldova was a fucking headache. Like, that was really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wanted us to travel despite the war in Ukraine, kilometers wow. away. Yeah. Uh, the pair had to jump in and send a ton of emails and wow. really fight our side of it. And, and, and he just called me one day and said, I'm not putting players in danger. If they make us forfeit, they yeah. make us forfeit. Yeah. Rich, I'm not putting that on you. I'm making the decision we're not going. I was like, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so there, there's a lot in the background. That, but I guess you guys know you're you're in, involved in Blender now. Like, yeah. When I played, you show up to train and show up to games. Yeah. When you're involved, even at the club level, the amount of work involved that goes so unappreciated by a lot. Not everyone, a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's incredible. So you bring that up to international when you have all these protocols yeah, exactly. and rules you have to do. Yeah. You have to bring the match official and the referee yeah. and the assistant referee yeah. for dinner the night before. And there's just, yeah, there's loads of things in the background that people don't appreciate. So yeah. uh, when it's a home game, that match committee, they do an incredible job. And then when it's an away game, Karina does. Yeah. Or she does both. But yeah. Yeah. Love it. We should try and wind up a little bit. So we, we did get some questions through um, from people on Instagram or via email, etc. So I guess we can just finish for three or four minutes on some quick fire questions. Okay, sure. We'll try. Some so answer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, first was um, from Mike Pride. When when are you going to start playing again, if ever? Uh, I was very before the ankle. Uh, I was very keen, uh, but the amount of network and ankle. <laughs> It's not gonna happen. But no, it was very keen before that, and I'd actually start training a bit with Saigon because um, I think of a prop. You're just maturing at 38 as a prop. Mm. Uh, but no, it's not gonna happen now. Okay. No, not with the ankle. Okay. Yeah, um, ben, ben, Ben sent this one in. So you just said you you were gonna turn up to prop, but he was saying because you played second row, yeah, and you never have you ever played prop. Uh, just in Norway, never before. All right, okay. Because yeah. he was saying how how do you avoid getting shunted further up? Just into the front row. Oh no! Yeah, get... no. We had a conversation about being really short locks because that's where I used to play. <laughs> no, I uh, played a couple of games at lock in Norway, but now I've front row. Right. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. so you did not move to that. I got yeah. yeah, I got shunted forward very quick, but uh, uh, it worked. I was uh, around the pitch and shit, but uh, in the scrum I did work. So <laughs> it worked out all right. Most memorable rugby moment, either as a player or a coach or spectator even uh, that first year within the final side yeah Simon's um, first year in existence my first year of coaching Stavanger had really dominated for the three years before and yeah. because the winner hosts to go over there and win it there on their pitch that was yeah that was huge nice full time playing golf Glenn just turned to me crying I was like oh fuck here we go <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was huge um, yeah what's the funniest or most ridiculous thing you've ever seen on a pitch 
I wasn't there, but Johnny May's scrummaging attempt. <laughs> what, his head up the ass of the, uh, the he's, second he's kind of sitting on top of yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was just ridiculous. Like, there's been lots of, like, a tackle and grabbing a pair of shorts and exposed rear ends. But no, just for absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, Johnny May, I guess. All-time rugby idol. This one's a bit left field, and he's not the best Ooh. player, but he's my favourite player. Uh, Stephen Ferris. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I think he, pretty underrated as a player. Yeah, he yeah. wrecked my injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's because he really played the game. And yeah. I read an interview with him years ago that he should have been, physios and medics were telling him to be 10 kilos lighter, but that was his game. But yeah, I just loved the way he played the game. And if you go down to New Zealand and get respect <laughs> and get a nickname from them, which they don't do often, they're you're doing something right yeah. Yeah. nice would you would you rather score a last minute try to win a game or make a try saving match winning tackle I've done the tackle and never scored the try so I'll go with the try you rather score a try I've done the tackle one before yeah. I put it in touch the last play of the game on our line so I'll take the try nice. <laughs> like it <laughs> um, so obviously we're called Waste High Rugby Podcast in a sentence or a word what do you think of this new rule that's coming into play in, in that much rugby in the UK that there's no tackling on the waist uh, poorly executed next weekend Leinster to lose who's taking it that's right but no, I, th- I think we'll I think we'll have too much I think we've come up against bigger packs in the past like La Rochelle like Saracens at their heyday that have overpowered Leinster in the same way that Ireland had that same thing against France uh, but I think yeah I think we've too much for them I think Leinster will do it and I think they'll hopefully beat La Rochelle in the final who's winning the World Cup France I think I think all advantages I think they're really strong I think they're not playing at their best right now but what they've shown over the last 18 months and home advantage I think it'll be I'd love to say Ireland uh, I'm yeah. getting knocked out in the quarterfinals. yeah I was gonna I was literally about to ask yeah <sighs> <laughs> It's possible. <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think both of those. I think the co- both quarterfinals on that side of the draw will be coin flips, um, and I think that just thankfully our, our world rugby have fixed their issue. But the draw that far out is ridiculous. Like, mm. You always have to be Australian Wales to get to the final. Yeah. Compared to we have to beat South Africa and New Zealand. Over. New Zealand opens. Yeah, that's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I'd love to say Ireland, but should have been good two years ago. Then last one, yeah. I'd say, yeah, well, three years ago or five years ago, and that's all done. <laughs> but then we just peaked too early, like everyone accuses us. Yeah, yeah, anyway, <laughs> so you can't win. <laughs> awesome, great, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Richie. Yeah. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. I don't know, any closing words, anyone? Remarks? No, just brilliant to yeah. to have a, a chat with someone who, who knows a lot more about the rugby scene here than, than we do, um, and to have some actual to have a coach that has some interesting ideas that are sort of normal, <laughs> rather than Tom's. <laughs> Completely out yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Shame Tom couldn't be here too, but then it would probably be an hour and a half on YouTube just shouting at each other. So yeah, uh, almost so. certainly. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but no, it's brilliant. Thank you so much for coming, yeah. and um, appreciate your time on a on a Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. And um, yeah, I, you know, you guys. I would like to say thanks to you guys for organising the event in the Dublin next weekend. Yeah. To. Uh, the show again Finland are doing it I think it's really cool to just have some of our supporters in the city that can't travel up and go and watch the game and those that are not in Oslo and want to watch uh, the Rugby Europe website has the game streamed live uh, it's a great account it's free and then you can watch it yeah. so it'll be f- uh, 5 o'clock 5pm next Saturday score prediction. prediction for the weekend <sighs> it's supposed to rain the entire game so I'm going to say 17-15 an hour Ooh. 
Like it. Good. You heard it here first, boys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much for listening. We, should, we probably should have plugged it earlier. So yeah, next next Saturday, five o'clock. Um, for those in Oslo, we'll be at the Dubliner from four o'clock, and the game will be streamed. So yeah, hopefully see you there. Come cheer the boys on. Cheer um, your mates on. Yeah. Thanks for listening.